Hi everyone, today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by casting director Jason Crow. Jason's career in casting and entertainment education spans over 11 years across television, film, documentaries, and commercials. He regularly teaches audition technique and casting workshops by invitation across Los Angeles at various studios, including SAG-AFTRA. Outside of his work in casting, he founded Soundwork, a full-scale recording studio in 2018 where he produces and engineers a range of music, podcast, voiceover, ADR, and audiobook projects. He's worked on Emmy-nominated television shows and recorded alongside Grammy winners and cultural icons. I'm so excited for you all to hear this episode. Now, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for joining us on What's My Frame. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am great. Well, it's already a little ways into our hour and we've just been chatting your blast and like such an immersive, creative, business-minded person. So I'm super excited for this episode, but for anyone who doesn't know your journey into casting, your journey into the arts, could you just give us a little backstory into how you chose casting and how you got here? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I uh, I grew up um, playing music and bands and also acting. Um, I did like a lot of extra work and played shows all over like Orange County and LA. Um, but I have never been one to uh, have any desire to be in the spotlight. I always just, I get very nervous before shows and, you know, I'd have a good time during them, but like before them, it was just like a nightmare. Um, and so I, and I, and, you know, just pursuing acting and auditioning and everything, it was just, I didn't, I, I love the creative process, but I don't like myself to be in the spotlight. And so uh, going to college, I went to school for um, film and for advertising. Okay. And, uh, and by the end of like my last year in college, it was just, it was all film. And I realized like, oh, I want to, I want to work in TV in some capacity. You know, I love watching TV. I watched all kinds of shows. Um, and so, you know, I just, I did a few different internships. I interned in a management company, I PA'd, I, uh, I interned in casting, um, and casting, I really enjoyed because I still got to be a part of the acting creative process. And, you know, you read a script and then you go, you go find what it is that you're seeing in your head. Obviously, you know, you meet with the producers and the directors and stuff, but you're still a part of the creative process and, and, and finding how these roles fit, um, so I, I really enjoyed that. So I kind of just stayed there. And after the internship, I got an assistant position and which led to an associate position, which um, now, you know, I'm still an associate on a lot of network stuff, but then I also am the casting director on uh, other different projects. Um, and it's it's been fun. So uh, that's kind of the short version of me landing there. And yeah, like 11 years later, I'm still doing it. I want to talk about, because we, we had touched on this, but like, there's ebbs and flows and you were sharing about how like episodic season has changed in your time in working in network. And I'm curious what you've been doing to stay creatively challenged, um, just taking care of yourself when there are these ebbs and flows, because 23 has been a really atypical year. I think it's, um, I think it's good for actors to hear that it's not just us that have been feeling dry spells. It's everyone. Oh yeah. And, and even, even before, um, even before, you know, the pandemic or before the strike, uh, there would still be, you know, long hiatuses. You'd, you'd have a show in and it'd be a bit before uh, something else came back. So you'd have to find something. But luckily I am, uh, I do a lot of different things. I have a lot of different interests and hobbies. So I'm never one who's bored. Um, I do, I do a lot of woodworking. My garage is a, is like a wood shop. So, um, so I always had that. I also, um, 
have, like I said, I played music and, and uh, I also run a recording studio. So, you know, I'll produce podcasts or music or different things for people. That's also on hiatus right now. That's a, a long story for later, but um, the studio is in a bit of a flux at the moment, but um, yeah, between, you know, woodworking and recording and, you know, hanging out with my cat and dog and my wife. So there's always, there's always plenty to do. I think it's really cool that you do diversify yourself. That. I, I personally get that because that's very much how my personality is. And I like that you can't get hyper-focused on one thing, perhaps not moving as fast as you want because you have other, you know, irons in the fire. So could you tell us a little bit about, you've been looking at spaces and what all is coming up for you and this very cool idea that I'm excited about. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So um, I don't know if your listeners are familiar with A Studios, um, but I uh, used to run a recording studio outside of A Studios. Um, and we, you know, at Ace, we have classes, uh, casting workshops. Um, we, I built a BO department, so we would do like the voiceover classes or people could just come in and use the space. We, we set up a full multicam system so we could record live podcasts with audio and video. Um, we also had like an on-camera section so people could come in and record auditions in a nice space with a reader. Um, but we had to get out of that lease for a lot of reasons with the landlord and plumbing issues and different things that were very much outside of our control. Um, so we are looking for a new space uh, right now to kind of rebuild. But my plan is to find a space that we not only do the recording studio and the on-camera and the classes, but also uh, create a space for events for like live events, like stand-up comedy or music or anything like that. Um, and like the vision is really for it to be kind of a creative co-working space where no matter what it is that you're working on, whether that's, um, you know, you're working on a script and you want to come in and write, or you want to record something, or you have a YouTube show, or you want to produce a live event, whether that's theater or music or improv or stand-up or whatever it is that we can help you. Um, that like anything creative uh, is this would be like a welcome space and we would have all the tools that you need to um, be able to create whatever it is that you're trying to create. Um, and I want I'd like to create like, you know, like a lobby with like a little cafe and bakery so people can kind of hang out and we can have classes and shows and and it would just really be a creative space where people can get together and work together and um, and just create different things, you know, outside of kind of the the normal Hollywood control system. That's incredible. I mean, we touched on this. I, I think there's very much a reason why that that doesn't exist because there is a ton of work behind the scenes to be able to execute that but I wish you all the best of luck oh, and thank I'm so you. Yeah, excited yeah. to see it come into fruition because it's one of those things that I've run up against so many times because I've done stand-up here in LA but you can't record anything but mm. then to get jobs or a lot of times especially with commercial work you know they want people with improv or stand-up and they want to see clips but you can't record it when you're, you know, at some of these places around town right. and to create that environment where you could record it and it be approved or whatever. And it's not just like in your studio space with like no sound and no energy bouncing back off of like, right. that's so cool. And, and having, I mean, in all honesty, I think most artists, the thing we missed the most was that sense of community, going to shows, going to live theater, being in class together, you know, Zoom is not the same. It never, it will never replicate yeah. no, being for sure. in person in the room with other actors. I mean, I've done many, many a Zoom acting class or workshop or whatever, and you can't, you can't get the same energy reading or, or doing a scene with somebody that you do no. in person. It's just, it's, it's just so different. So very excited. Please keep me posted on that uh, so I can sure. share that on our socials. There was a number of reasons that I wanted to chat with you, but uh, 
diving into some past projects, one in particular is Walker Independence and mm -hmm. the challenges of Western sides. Because I myself, I grew up around horses. I'm really drawn to those kind of shows. I think they're so awesome. I'm thrilled to see them having such a resurgence in popularity. But there's a lot of, I feel like, perhaps they're traps, perhaps they're actors getting in our own way. You know, I very vividly remember having a set of sides from a, a show where I was on the horse and I was supposed to be talking to someone and I, I spent hours trying to figure out where should my eye line be? Because I knew what it felt like to be on a horse and I knew I would be talking down, but then it looks awful on a self-tape. So I'm curious if you can share a little bit about what are some of the traps, how to avoid them, including, you know, weapons and props in the audition, um, pacing, accents. There's so, so many when it comes to that. For sure. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of traps when it comes to audition. Um, a lot of things so that you don't necessarily need to do for the audition that you would ultimately do on set. Um, yeah. So for as far as like accents and, um, oh, what was it that you said? Accents and uh, pacing. Like, yeah. Pacing. I, would, I would say that like that really depends on the show. Like I know for, for Walker, because it was CW, they didn't want to do... Um, you know, really like typical Western accents. They kind of had it just, it was just much more standard American uh, with like kind of a hint of period. Like it really was very, very subtle. Um, they didn't want to go too over the top. Um, and then the pacing was 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 not, you know, really slow or anything like a Western might be um, because again, it's a CW. So it really kind of depends on the show. So if you can get a sense of what the show is like as far as accent and pacing, and if it's not aired, you know, you can always ask like, hey, what, what accent are we looking for here? Rather than just assuming like this really stereotypical Western accent or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the horse question's a great question. Uh, so honestly, I would I would just kind of for the audition, if I were you, I would not really worry about being on the horse. Like I know we always tell people like um, if the scene is like you're driving a car, like you don't need a pantomime driving yeah. a car, just connect with your reader and connect with the moment and wh where it is that you are physically. Um, but you don't necessarily need to like pretend like you're riding a horse or do all these things because it's all just distracting. And the same with props too. Like, um, you know, there be there may be movements or props or certain things that will help you stay connected to the scene and to the material. But mm -hmm. if you find yourself, if you find yourself just um, worrying about the prop or figuring out how do I get this to come in naturally? I would just get rid of it entirely and not worry about that moment at all. Like a lot of stage direction just in general is a trap um, because with the audition, we're really looking for your um, your ability to connect and be in the moment and stay present and, you know, listening and reacting. And, and, um, and if you're so focused on like, uh, you know, like, oh, I'm riding a horse and who am I looking at? And, and you're thinking about all these different things. You're not just being present and being in the moment. And, and we'll see that. And, and so the people who just kind of come in and connect, and like are really just in it for that scene, then we don't really notice that they're not, that they are or are not on a horse. It's just like, wow, this person's really holding my attention. Yeah. Okay. That is very helpful to know because I think it's one of the things sometimes for an actor, the traps come in almost more intensified when you know in reality what it feels like to be on a horse or yeah. if you're playing baseball in the scene or, you know, when you put, when you know, physically what those environments feel like and trying to bring those into um 
it sounds bad, but like the self-tape space is kind of a sterile environment where it's, yeah. you know, a hundred percent imagination. You are, you know, kind of cultivating all of that, often reading opposite your partner, your family member, or somebody who is a non-actor, mm. God bless the muggles, but you know, it's, it, it, I think there, there is such a, an ability to get lost in uh, the busyness versus the productivity of creating the tape. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. You, you really need to get lost in the moment of the scene, but not all the little things because like you just need to connect and be there and be present like when I say there I mean like where you are physically in the scene (laughs) because you're not because you're not in reality you're just in this blank room um reading with someone who's not an actor like you said so like it it really is for you mentally to just be there and if you're trying to juggle too many things like obviously like emotionally you want to be layered so you don't want to if you don't have to focus on being on the horse then don't if that helps you if it if you found a way to kind of just casually be on a horse and it helps you really be in that moment and it's and it's keeping you connected then that's great then that's great but um, but yeah it's just it's something like all that stage direction is something I wouldn't worry about really just like how do you connect to this material how does it come to life for you and then just really visualizing everything so that when we're like in casting, there's kind of, we say this all the time, it sounds kind of weird, but it seems to be very true. There's almost a form of telepathy that happens when you are uh, really connecting in your mind's eye with what's happening and what you're saying and why you're saying it and where you are and what you're looking at. Like if you see something in your mind's eye, like truly see it, and then you say those things, I actually will start to see it. Whereas a lot of times in auditions, um, people will be going through their scene and, you know, they do a nice job. They're off book. They've got all the, they know what they're saying, but they're still kind of, it's almost like a teleprompter behind the eyes um, versus, versus the actual images. Um, So if I'm just seeing like the script and all of a sudden somebody comes in and then all of a sudden I see the whole world, it's very clear. It's like a very subtle difference and it's all internal. Um, It's nothing external at all, but it is almost like a form of telepathy where it's like, I think I might've just seen the actual image that was in your head. (laughs) It's it's really funny. Like I'll, I'll watch an audition. I'll ask somebody, I'll be like, Hey, this, you know, this off name that you, that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. like, did you have a person, like a real person in mind? Or is it because they're such a, because they're not really a character and you just mentioned their name, it falls flat for some, and they'll be like, oh no, I didn't. I just like, it was just, it was Mike or whatever. And it's just like, you can see those little things where it's just like, oh, that's not a real person to you. Even though it's just like very off, like just mentioned offhand, you still, you need, because in real life, if you were just casually mentioning something that's not a main part of the story, it would you'd be really mentioning a real person, and that comes across almost yes. telepathically. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because I actually discovered that difference in a workshop because I thankfully had an incredible, incredible theater director and teacher, and he was always like he would not let us weasel out of not having a person to identify with for every single name in our script or scene or whatever like you have to connect with them and like on a very personal level whether it's love hate or in between you got to have someone you're even indifferent about but you got to know who that person is and have a picture of them and one time I was in a workshop and I think 
with all that there is to be said, pros and cons, I think workshops are a beneficial thing for actors to be able to see other actors audition because it teaches mm. you so much. Because yeah. there was an actor that came up and they they had a like a list of names. It was like family members in the scene that they were discussing about, you know, so-and-so went to the store and so-and-so. And the casting director asked, they were like, who are those people to you? And they like looked the sides to reference to answer the question. And then they were like, no, no, no. Who are they to you? Right. And they're like, well, it says, and they were like, so that's the thing. They were like, you're regurgitating something for me versus it being inside of you. And you could kind of tell it wasn't fully clicking for the actor. Yeah. It was, it was amazing to see that difference because as watching it, I wasn't able to like pinpoint what it was, but I just knew it didn't feel authentic like yeah it's you know when you watch it and you get lost in it yeah 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 there's it's just like it's like you know people can give a really good performance but that's not what we're looking for we're looking for something that's genuinely happening you know we i've seen many great actors uh give great auditions but they're just not right for that role and that's fine you know it's just it's not not everybody is every role um so what we're really looking for are the people who connect to it in the most authentic way um, so all you can do, so if you see something and you're just like, I can't really connect to this, you need to find a way to connect to it. And that may not, and then that may be a little bit different than what we're looking for, but sometimes those outside of the box choices work really well. It just, that's why like, you're never going to guess what everybody's looking for. And also there's so many people weighing in, there's the directors weighing in, the producers are weighing in, the studios weighing in, the networks weighing in. So there's not one right way to do it because there's multiple different people with multiple different visions in their head and you're never going to guess all those. And you're never, and if you try to, to guess like an amalgam of things, it's just going to come off as nonsense or it's going to come off as just very basic or very performative or, or like if you're trying to please everybody, you're going to please nobody. Um, so you really need to connect to it in an authentic way to you and bring it to life in, in a way that you can just make it the most real. Like, is this feeling real? Am I connected? Am I in the moment? Am I um, acting in a natural way? Uh, so um, that like, yeah, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm rambling, but that's like all you can really do. So there is, there's a lot of choices you have to make yourself, but then there's certain stuff like, yeah, you don't want to, like, if you, if, if you think there may be an accent needed, uh, then just go ahead and ask. Cause you, um, but also if you give like a great performance and the accent stuff is not quite right, we may reach out and be like, Hey, can you try this again? But just do standard American, drop the accent or whatever it is. Um, because if you're on the right path and we see that and we want to put you forward, we'll get you in a position to where we can put you forward. Um, but then a lot of times, you know, some people just like nail it the first time and we have enough to put forward so you know it's really hit or miss but that's why the all you can do is is make it connect to you in a real way because you can't worry about what other people are looking for or what other people want um because it's just like you're just gonna go crazy no i so appreciate you touching on that because it's like everything it's like with social media with everything the the wider base you try to cover the less people you will actually connect with because yeah. you, you're not you're not if niching down was like a verb like you're not you're not really focusing and, and honing in on something specific because good acting is good acting it may not be for that role or that right. show right exactly it'll, it'll be remembered it'll be noted it'll you know 
Y'all's exactly. is wild. Yeah. Like, so you I, may, you may not, yeah, you may not be right for that role, but because you connected to it in an authentic way, we may remember your audition. Like, oh, they weren't right for that at all, but they, but like, they were a fantastic actress. So we're going to remember them. So then when something else comes up, we're like, oh yeah, let's try them again. Like, let's see what they do on this one. Uh, whereas if, as if you try to, you know, please everybody, you're just like, I'm going to follow this breakdown exactly as it is. And I'm going to like shoehorn myself into this box that I don't really fit in. Then we're going to see that and and we're not going to remember it. It's going to be kind of forgotten with the bulk because that's what most people do. You know, if we get a hundred auditions, 90 of them are going to be great. You know, good performance off book, they hit all their beats, but then there's 10 of those hundred who are going to bring something really special that really just like, grabs your attention and holds it in like a very visceral way where you can't take your eyes off of it. Whereas everybody else, you're kind of just like, yeah, that was fine. Like they did a good job, but like we're looking for someone who brings it to life. Absolutely. Just to quickly touch on it before we, we leave the Western world, um, for you and your office specifically, did you like people that dressed to suggest in, you know, their outfits? Because I'm sure there was a lot of people that showed up with like hats and like the whole thing. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking just like more of a neutral palette versus wearing sequins or, you know, something like that. So just, yeah, um, that's <laughs> funny. We actually, <laughs> we no, I was just laughing because like on the, I remember on the pilot, we put out a note, like no cowboy hats, uh, because Actors everybody like to be extra cowboy sorry. hats. And it's just like, well, we don't, we need to like see you and we see need to you. see you. <laughs> and, uh, and it's much less about the costume. So the thing is I would, I would dress the tone not mm-hmm. necessarily dress like you don't need to go rent a costume or like if you're auditioning to be a, a police officer you don't need to dress like a cop but you also shouldn't dress like you're a teenage skateboarder you know what I mean right. like maybe just wear like a button down if you like like something that's appropriate so like if you're auditioning for a homeless person obviously dress down if you're dressing you know if you're auditioning for a princess you can you know wear some makeup and dress a little nicer but you don't need to come in in like a full gown it's just like right. you know kind of just feel like the thing, you don't need, yeah it gets a little um sticky if uh if people are just like wearing costumes and different things, it's like, we're really, cause we're really truly always, who's the best performance? Who is bringing this to life in a way that we have to watch it? Um, and that doesn't really matter what they're wearing, but there is a reality to like, you do want to feel the r- right. Yeah. You don't want to be like, oh, like I'm supposed to play the king, but I'm just very disheveled and, and my hair's a mess. Like, you know what I mean? Like you want to, yeah be appropriate, but you don't need to worry. Like, don't go buy anything. Oh, definitely. No, no. I've, I've always found for me, it was like, you know, if you are someone in an office or something, like I always felt different by wearing high heels. Cause like normally, yeah. especially for a self tape, I normally always like audition barefoot because it just, it feels very grounded to me. Right. That's something that works for me, but like, it's, it's a physicality thing of just in, and y'all don't even see that on the audition, right. but it's something that I feel like comes through. With but it helps you connect. And, yeah. And so Whatever, I think yeah. that's always what I'm like trying to articulate when I tell people, I'm like, it's not costume. It's just, it's like a little, it's a little essence of it. It's just, you know, something that will connect yeah, the essence. That's all tech tactilely what connects you a little bit more to the, the characters. Well, yeah. when watching tapes, you've kind of touched on this about just like the real visceral performance, but is there something, um, that will inevitably always make you like lean in or really take notice when you're watching through tapes because you see the same material and the same copy over and over and over again. 
Yeah, it's it's honestly it's that it's like the true connection. It's the moments in between the lines and the moments in between the beats where you can see someone so connected and so in it that every thought is what's leading to the next thing. And you know, if they do, if we have them do it again, it's different because they're so in it. Like if we restarted this podcast and just like reintroduced me and we tried to have the same conversation, we're basically going to have the same conversation, but it's not going to be exactly the same because we're both not prepared. I mean, you want to be prepared for the audition, but you don't want it to seem like that. It always needs to seem like it's happening for the very first time. Um, whereas a lot of, you know, auditions we see, it doesn't feel like it's happening for the first time. It feels like you've ran it a hundred times and you're hitting all your beats, but you're hitting your beats because you're supposed to hit your beats, not because something happened that made you do that. Um, so those are, that's always what is going to pull me in because there's like, there's always like a through line in the scene that you need to stay on. And a lot of times we'll see people like kind of drop their through line because they're thinking about their next moment or whatever, where, um, and so, and when people do that, you can kind of see where they're going, where you're like, because they're thinking about it, they've got that, that like next step right at the tip of their brain. Mm -hmm. We see that to where it's like, oh, I know where this is going. I don't like, I can just like, they'll do something. And it's just like, I, oh, I see it the moment before they do it. Whereas the person who's so connected and in the moment, I don't know where they're going. And that's when you lean in and you're like, where is this going? Like what's going to happen, even though, you know, you know, the script oh, and sides, you still don't know what's going to happen because it's just, it's very visceral. And, and that's what makes you lean in. That, oh, that's so well put. Mm, so excited for this episode. Okay. Um, you've worked on several seasons of CWs in the dark, a great watch for mystery or true crime lovers, um, self-included. Uh, did you have a favorite episode or storyline from the casting process of things? Perry, who was cast as Murphy, uh -huh. um, had, had one of the most impressive casting processes I've ever seen. Um, she, she embodied everything that I was just saying about like, like they'd have her run scenes again mm -hmm. and it would just be totally different, like not totally different, but like yeah. she was so in it that like, every time she just, every time we would bring her back, she, kept stepping up, stepping up, and all of her competition just kind of started falling away and falling away. And um, she made it so very clear that she was Murphy, that like everybody was like, all right, well, that's it, it's yours. Um, it was it was truly, like, it was amazing to watch, honestly. And, you know, she, you know, when you're the lead of a network show, you kind of, they put you through the gauntlet of testing. Um, and she really just like every time rose to the occasion and just kept getting better and better and better and no matter how many times she ran a scene it felt like it was the first time it was happening it was fresh she would read with it how to read with all these different people and and it's just and and with each person it was different because she was reading with a different person and it was different energy and she just it was it was really incredible she's fantastic i think that's such a good reminder because so often you know the evolution of the callback process and the approval process has changed so much since the pandemic. And I think it's a really good reminder of, because sometimes I know pre, um, you know, when we were coming in more, it was very different and you had to be very mindful of not getting stagnant, but also not getting too settled in your choices of the, the material. And I think that's such a good reminder of like, it's just incrementally getting more and more and more into the role, but not 
cemented into choices at the same right. time. Um, yeah, and that was that was pre-pandemic, so that was all in person. Yeah, um, what's a project you instantly felt a connection to? Um, well, honestly, I really like Leverage. I work on Leverage Redemption, and I watched the original growing up, so that that was really fun. I liked that because like I already knew the original show. Because um, who doesn't love you know a group of uh, positive thieves stealing from you know the rich elite? scumbags Robin um, Hood stuff, yes exactly who doesn't love a Robin Hood story so I really like that and also um I worked on a documentary called McMillions um which I really loved and that is I know it's funny casting a documentary but I've actually cast several documentaries where we have to find doppelgangers basically we have to we have to match real life people so we're looking for you know who looks the most like it but can also act um so that's that's a really fun challenge to see and especially because like it's you know those are usually non-union they don't pay that much so you don't have as big of a pool so it's a bit more of a challenge you got to kind of cast a wide net but um finding lookalikes is really fun especially when one pops up on the screen you're just like oh my god they look so much like that guy um that's always super fun I actually did want to talk to you about because you have not only worked in like tv network space but you've also done indies shorts the doc space um and of course each project is different but many actors start finding and building their creative community through working on short films and I'm curious what you're looking when you're looking through submissions what are um, some of the things that stand out to you or what are you looking for when perhaps they don't have as many credits, they're younger actors, um, perhaps, you know, not union yet? Because um, I think, especially over the last several years, it's been harder for actors to get materials and there's an insecurity of, well, I can't go out until I have this. So I would love to hear from your perspective. Yeah, um, honestly, like you said, it's it really depends on the project. There's like a million different factors that kind of will weigh into this. So obviously, you know, if we're working on something non-union, then I am only looking for non-union actors. I need SAG people to stay away. Uh, and uh, so it will like a lot of things, it'll depend on, you know, if some projects, some roles will have a much smaller pool. So then we kind of have time to basically see like everyone that's even remotely right. Cause you know, we may get two, 300 submissions. If it's like a network guest art, we're getting five, six, seven, 8,000 submissions. Um, so then we obviously have to um, kind of narrow down what we can see. Um, it also depends on how much time we have. If it's a movie, we may have more time. If it's a TV show, we may have very little time because so for like a network show, we may get the script and we have our casting call with the director and the producers on day one of prep, which is just eight business days before the first day of shooting. So we'll have our casting call. And then right after we get off the call, we have to write the breakdowns, get those approved, send them off to breakdown to get posted. Then, you know, it's going to take a day for the submissions to come in. We have to go through and um, send out appointments. And then, um, you know, we need to get those back in a couple of days because once we get the tapes back, we have to go through them. We have to create a link of selects. Then we have to send that to the producers to pick somebody. And they're often very busy. So we may have to nudge them like, hey, have you guys had a chance to watch the link yet? Can you please tell us who you like? And then once they tell us who they like, we have to then go get approval from the studio. And then the studio has to then go get approval from the network. Um, so that, and that can sometimes take a day, two days. Mm -hmm. And we only have eight total. So we have very limited time. So we may only be able to see 150 people for, uh, for that role. Um, and like I said, if we're getting thousands of submissions, we obviously have to narrow that down. So like you said, credits are obviously important. 
demo reel is important. Um, but we do understand that not um, everybody has those things. So it is very important. Like, cause when we go through a breakdown, we go through everything and we go through all, we watch the demo reels. We go through everything. So um, if you don't have tape on there and it's a huge pool of people, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to get an audition unless we already know who you are or you have a ton of credits and you're just real wasn't attached for some reason. But like, oh yeah, that person would be great. Um, you know, that may be different. But if we, if you're not really, you know, if you're up and coming, you're not really known or the casting director doesn't know who you are, it's very important to have tape. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, something that you shot for some TV show, like you can shoot stuff yourself. You can put up a self tape. I know I get a lot of, I've heard a lot of like actors tell me they're like, oh, my manager said like, it's really unprofessional to put like a self tape up as a demo reel. But if you don't have a demo reel, like we need something. We need to see you acting recently. Like what you look like, where you're at level wise, because our job is to find the best actor or actress for the role. So if at the end of our time, if we're coming up to where that role's got to shoot soon or it's got to travel to shoot soon, we need to make sure that by that deadline, we have options to show the producers and like several options and different options. But if we were to just blindly pick 150 people out of the breakdown, we very well may not have any options. Um, so we have to be very like careful going through and, and picking people that we know can do it um, so that at the end of the day, we've done our job as well. Um, and obviously, you know, ideally we'd love to have as much time as possible and see as many people as possible. Um, but we don't want to send out appointments that we won't have time to view. And at the end of the day, we do have to make sure that we do our job, which is finding the best person for that role. So, um, you know, it is sometimes very hard to get an audition. Um, but if it's, if it's, you know, a smaller pool of things, we see more, we see as many as we can, because we don't want to miss, you know, we do want to find genuinely, truly the best person for that role. Um, so that's why we kind of have to just use all of our tools at our disposal, um, to figure out who that is. But, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's very competitive. Um, and, you know, the bigger the role, the more submissions we're going to get. Uh, so it really is like the, the the only thing that you can do is hone your craft and get better so that when we do see you, when you do get that audition, it may not be the role that you're going to book, but you have gotten your craft to a place that you that you impress us or that like you just, it's not even about like impressing us. It's just like bringing it to life so that we watch you. Um, and that it feels real so that we'll remember so that we can keep trying you. And then ultimately there will be a role that's right for you that, that like, it's like, you know how they say like, what is it? Um, luck is like preparation meets opportunity or whatever. Like that is very true. Whereas yeah. like, just work on your craft and get really, really good so that when the right role does come along, you can do it. So like you're, you know, you're checking all the boxes on the additions, but you may not be right for it, but we'll know that like you're very talented. So we'll just keep trying. And then ultimately one of the roles will be for you. Yeah. Um, you were talking about McMillions and, and real people like casting matches for real people. Um, were there any like out of the box ways that you like shared the breakdown or tried to find the people or were you able to find everybody through breakdowns slash actors? Oh, access? well, for those, I actually, I use not just breakdown. I use like, uh, what is LA casting now? Casting networks. Okay. Um, I use backstage. Uh, those we cast, cast a wide pool. net. Oh yeah, yeah. Be no, be for real because I mean, on breakdown, I would get two hundred submissions for a role because it'll say like, you know, uh, whatever, like ethnicity. They're bald. They're this height. Um, mm -hmm. 
And then, you know, obviously we can fudge heights. So that wasn't as important, but you know, if the guy's six, four, we can't hire someone who's like five, four, like it needs to be, they need to be like six foot, you're like around the same yeah. height. So, so that was a much smaller pool. So we had to cast a wide net and go to all different types of uh, platforms to find just enough people. But we, had, we, had, we found everybody. Um, someone will always show up. Uh, some, it's funny because there'll always be one role that comes like right down to the wire and then we find them like last minute and it's perfect. Um, but yeah, that one is actually, that's funny because it's a lot easier to let people down when they don't get it. Cause you're just like, sorry, the other guy just looked more like him. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's nothing you did wrong. It's just, we're matching physical faces. So I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I feel like that's the only thing that's like children's casting that would be so frustrating yet so rewarding when you have to not only physically match but essence wise capture yeah and essence is a big part of it too especially if it's like if they're one of the main people who are in like a lot of the recreations there's like like essence really pays plays into it because even if there's not talking if it's just like you know the scene with like the narrator over it like when you walk into a room you carry a certain aura about you um so yeah there is like and so we would like the producers would send us like all these videos of like their interviews with the people so we could watch like their interviews and kind of get a sense of who they were so then we'd have like people audition kind of do like different little improv things and similar situations so we could kind of get a vibe of how they'd be oh that's that's so cool because like and I'm I'm guilty of it too like actors sometimes we only think about like our little space of the the world and the machine but it's really cool to hear that like casting is also watching these tapes because you hear actors all the time when they play this famous person from history or what have you, or, you know, an icon or an idol or what have you. They're like, oh, I watched all these interviews. I watched all this footage, but it's really cool to hear you all are watching that and then matching that essence from watching the yeah. same and- Yeah, and it's yeah. tough because a lot of times the, the documentary situation, it's like very secretive. Everybody's signing NDAs. Like I can't share any of the material and we can't, share any of the, the videos or the photos with the actors so they're auditioning totally blind and we're just trying to match but like sometimes i'm just like man i really wish i could just post this video with the breakdown it would make things so much easier but yeah but we can't so it's really kind of finding ways to get around that yeah the the secrecy and the just the air of mystery within our industry it, it seems to raise every single year and I feel like if we were able to talk to one another a little bit more freely it would, it would make everybody's jobs like a little bit easier. yeah yeah for sure <laughs> you and me I don't really know why it matters but whatever but I guess there's also I forbid someone stole an idea you know <laughs> yeah I don't know there yeah they, you know people have done this longer than I have so maybe they've run into problems that they wouldn't have had they done it secretly so sometimes it feels like it just makes it cooler that it's secret yeah yeah right it's just like a ploy it's like the it's like the nightclub who has like the line outside even though it's empty inside mm-hmm. because everybody that's driving by will maybe exactly right next exactly but it's all fake it's elusive yeah, yeah exactly i also want to quickly talk about your producing work on the no one's okay podcast how did you get into the podcasting space uh, well, um, as I mentioned before, like I've, I've had a recording studio for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I grew up playing music and I um, shifted into producing music. Um, and then the recording studio, ultimately, we just kind of one day we recorded a podcast and I produced many podcasts. Um, no one's okay. And uh, the Martian broadcast, the Martian broadcast was cool because um, that's like a, a fiction, like a, it's a scripted, it's um, like an audio play. 
So yeah. there's like all the sound effects and it's all scripted and it's just different voice actors. And it's, and it's the whole story of like George Orwell's uh, War of the Worlds when the radio broadcast made everybody think it was real. Um, so it's basically, it's just like that. It's like a biopic of that, um, mm-hmm. but just like a scripted podcast. Um, and so, yeah, it just like, I got into, just because I was recording people and someone needed to record a podcast. So I did that. And then when we built the studio inside of ACE, I, um, I created this like really nice like podcast room where we had like three cameras so we could do audio and video. We just made like this really nice like warm space where people could come in and just talk. Um, but yeah, it just came through from recording where like I would record whatever like people need, whether that's music or ADR or voiceover or podcasts or anything. And then because of doing several podcasts, um, we just built out this really cool podcast room. Right on. Now, any advice for actors? Because the voiceover world has exploded, it's felt like over the last several years. Um, obviously, an animation VO demo is very different than an audiobook narration scripted podcast. Right. So any advice for those kind of demo materials? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've actually produced several um, voiceover demo roles for people, for people who didn't have credits, where we just... Um, because and this may honestly talk to a lawyer i don't know the rules but i don't understand why a voiceover demo reel would need to be things that you actually booked because they're just trying to hear like the casting director who's going through the voiceover stuff just needs to hear your voice and the different things that you can do and how you can and voice acting is acting it's just you're bringing it to life in a real way it has nothing to do with like oh i've got a cool sounding voice like that doesn't matter like it helps but um it's really about like your level of connection and 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 understanding what you're saying and why you're saying it so that the viewer inherently understands what you're saying rather than just you saying the words and then trying to figure out what's going on um so we've produced stuff where they just like picked commercials and picked out music and they recorded it and we edited it all together like nicely like how it would sound on a commercial we add sound effects and little things and just we create their demo reel for them so that they have something to hear but they hadn't actually booked anything yet because they just needed this to submit the auditions and I feel like people wait they get stuck in this kind of catch 22 where, you know, they're waiting to book something so they can have a reel, but then mm-hmm. they can't book anything because they don't have a reel. And I just, I don't really understand why people can't um, just create their own reel. And, you know, they're not, they're not adding it to their resume or anything. They're not saying like, Oh, I booked these commercials. It's like, no, this is just what I would have done had I booked this commercial. Um, so we, I've done several of those for people where they just come in and record and we just make it nice and make it sound like, like, oh, these were commercial spots, but they're just, you know, examples. Yeah, I think voiceover is one of the the best, you know, roads to getting into the industry because it is very different than TV theatrical because you can, in fact, create your materials and really have a, a solid demo yeah. without having to be validated by others booking you on said thing you can you can create it and and then submit it to then get other work exactly all right last question what is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self and then sadly our time is up oh one thing i could go back and tell my younger self um that everything is out of your control um (laughs) i don't know if that (laughs) oh that was hard hitting (laughs) That's so true. That, you know, you can you you can make plans and you can um, have a vision for your life, and you should and you should work towards goals and that's all very important. 
but that when things don't go your way, just adjust and move on. Um, you know, figure out what happened and adjust and, and move forward uh, rather than than trying to shoehorn what you thought your life was going to be into into something else. Jason, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing so many invaluable pieces of insight from the casting point of view. I think it's going to really empower and help a lot of people with their next Great. auditions. Well, thank you for having me. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening and being the absolute best part of our creative community. Thank you to my fabulous guests today. If you'd like to learn more about them, please check them out in the show notes. And please join us on Instagram and TikTok at What's My Frame. I'm Laura Linda Bradley. Thanks for listening.